Well, you guys can go ahead and have a seat, those of you who are here. If you're at home, um, you can stay seated if you are cuddled up on your couch or whatever. Um, it's crazy. This thing's been going on so long that I used to say, like, you know, under blankets with a warm cup of coffee, but today you're probably huddled around the uh, vent where the air conditioning is blowing out, um, at least if you live here in northern Ohio. Um, but again, welcome. I'm Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Um, we're excited to have some of our leaders, again, as Brian shared, in the room with us. And so it's an exciting time as we prepare to regather, not reopen, because the church never stopped, you know, being the church, but regathering. Um, I, I had a birthday a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you can wish me happy birthday, those of you who are here. It's okay. Um, thank you. About two weeks ago, and uh, honestly, the, the whole day, I felt kind of sad. Um, can you guys relate? Have any of you, like, felt it's like your birthday, there's this big deal, and everyone's saying happy birthday on social media to you, but you're just kind of sad. Well, that was me. Um, maybe that's just what happens when you move from your mid-20s to your upper 20s. Um, that was definitely a joke. Um, Mid-30s to upper 30s. So maybe I'm at the beginning stages of a midlife crisis. Um, Tiffany, brace yourself um, for that. But uh, I think it, a lot of it had to do with just how tired I am of the COVID life. Um, I, I'm, can I just be really honest? I am sick and tired of taking Clorox wipes to every piece of grocery item that we bring into our house. We have four kids. We, we get groceries like every four hours delivered to our house. And it's just like my house reeks of uh, hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes all the time. I would have loved nothing more on that day to just like go out on a date with my wife. And, um, you know, without the kids, love you kids. Um, but just like, be alone with my wife at a restaurant, having a conversation. I know that's possible now, but back then it wasn't. I feel like COVID has become like the, the elementary school bully that's just like taking all my stuff, taking my birthday from me, taking my vacation from me, you know, taking like the ability to be with people that I love away from me, taking the, the work, work life and home life balance, just totally blowing that up and taking that away from me and so much more. And when I think about the past couple months, I, I, to be really honest with you guys, I feel like in a lot of ways I've been in like a funk. It's been a battle. Um, and maybe you can relate to that. Um, happy or hashtag blessed are not words that I would use to describe the state of my heart since COVID started. And at the same time, God is up to something. The more that we're in this, and I know we're starting to come out of it, but the more that we're in it, the more I talk to my co-pastors and leaders here, and I listen to people all across the globe about what's been happening in this, what God is up to, the more I'm convinced that he is doing something. He's doing something really profound. And, and there's a lot of ways that people have talked about it. People have said, like, it's kind of like we've hit a reset button, you know, and, and, and I get that. Uh, as I think about it, I would word it this way. And again, this is just me as I, again, think about my own devotional life, what God's been speaking to me, and as I hear, to hear other people talk about it. I think it's more this idea of redefinition. I think God has been redefining a whole lot in our lives. I wonder if any of this resonates with you. Have you relearned these last couple months things that you have forgotten? Has God brought back to your mind certain things that you've forgotten? Have you invested again in things that you've neglected? Whether that's your family, whether that's your devotional life, whether that's, you know, serving people around you, 
in your own home, those who you're allowed to be around? Have you invested in things that you've neglected? Has your view of what it means to walk with God, to know God, grown and changed? Has your understanding, I think this has happened to all of us, our understanding of the word church has probably fundamentally changed. And so this, this, this opportunity that presents itself in this strange season that we've been in, and I know we're starting to come out of now, but this, the opportunity is to redefine so much about our faith. Who God is, how he works in us, how he is active in our lives, what it means to know him and walk with him, what the church is. And even while the world is starting to open back up, and I know that to varying degrees, some of us are really excited about that, some of us are really nervous, we're not sure what that's going to look like, we don't want to forget the things that God has been teaching us. I'm so excited. Next Sunday, we are actually launching a brand new sermon series that we're calling Be the Church. Okay, so check this out. On, on the Sunday that, that we're allowed, that we're kind of re, reopening the church or regathering as a church, again, you may not feel comfortable, totally fine. But the, the Sunday that we're saying you can come to church is the Sunday that we're starting a series called Be the Church. And that's on purpose. Because God is doing something, and we want to be in line with what God is doing. We want to continue to act on the things that God has been speaking to us and teaching us throughout this quarantine. And so back to my sad, depressing birthday. So I've been, again, battling this, this unhappiness and this frustration, this kind of just being out of sorts for a couple months. And as I've sought Jesus throughout it, over and over again, I've sensed him asking me, to redefine what it means to have joy. Redefine what it means to be blessed, to be happy. I go, I, I feel down, I feel out, and, and, and that's okay. Like God wants us to come as we are. It's totally fine. But as, I'm, as I sit with him and I take prayer walks and I try to listen to his voice in my life, there's an invitation to redefine what joy is, what blessing is. And so our big question for today is, what does it really mean to be blessed? Maybe you have an idea in your mind, a little bit of what that would look like if God were just to pour out his blessing in this crazy, wild, abundant way, what that would look like for you. Maybe, maybe you like can talk about it with incredible detail, you know, what that would look like. I was sharing with... Um, a friend uh, just a little bit ago about how for me that would probably look like my son and I going to the Michigan-Ohio State game and like and it's for the national championship and Michigan wins the game because I'm a Michigan fan. Um, I know, I'm hated. You're, don't turn off the live stream. Hang with me. Um, and then in that moment as Michigan scores the game-winning touchdown, my son converts back to being a Michigan fan. He has left the faith and gone to Ohio State and so he would return and that would be the picture of utter blessing in my life. Um, I'm only mostly joking. But I think the question is, as we think about what that would look like to be as corny and cheesy as it sounds, hashtag blessed by God, and then we line that up with, well, what does Jesus actually say is blessing? How does Jesus define what that looks like? And here's the thing. Jesus actually sketches out for us what a life of blessing looks like. 
in the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest sermon that Jesus ever preached that we have record of. It spans three chapters in the book of Matthew. He takes about the first 10 verses of Matthew chapter 5, and he says these things that we call the Beatitudes. They start with the blessed R's or blessed R, and he's sketching out, this is what a blessed life looks like. And what he was doing in that time, and I'm convinced what he does for us still today, is he utterly, completely, shockingly dismantles the definition of what it means to know God and walk with him. And so as we reflect on these last two months of our lives and as we look ahead, I just want us to listen to Jesus' words as he explains to us what it looks like to be blessed. Matthew chapter 5, I'll read verses 1 through 10. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It says that he went up on a mountainside. And, and because what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's starting a revolution. He's so changing the, the understanding, even among the religious people of his day, of what it means to know God and walk with him. That all the kind of revolutionaries, the people that were trying to turn the world upside down back then, they, they, they would share these things from a mountainside because they knew if they went down right into the center of the city, they would almost immediately get imprisoned or worse. So he goes up to the mountainside and he lays out this vision of what it means to live a blessed life. So what do we do when we read this, right? We're thinking about our own definitions. What, what, what would we hashtag, right? What Instagram post, what would it be on a beach or whatever with hashtag blessed? And we read something like this and I think we probably do about one of three things or maybe a combination of these. Um, one is that we just say, well, that's for the elite. That's for like the pastors only. Pastors and elders live this way, but I don't have to. I'm, that's for the people that are like double majoring in Christianity. I'm a, I'm a single major, six-year plan, you know, taking two classes at a time kind of Christian. That's not for me. Or we think I'm good at one of these, and so that's probably enough, right? I, I, don't, um, I don't punch people out of nowhere. I don't, you know, I, I'm a peacemaker. I don't go around picking fights. Or some of us that have like that good Midwestern grit are like, all right, let's get to work. Go, let's go do all these things. You know, what do I got to do? I got to find a way to mourn, right? I, I got to find ways to, to go out and do these things. But the problem is it doesn't actually work that way because the Beatitudes, these blessed R's, they're not a list of commands that get you into the kingdom. They're a vision of the character of a life of a person who already lives in the kingdom. Another way to put it, the Beatitudes show us what life looks like when Jesus is the king. When Jesus is king of your life, this is what it looks like. So it's not a list that we try to go out and accomplish to show God that we're worthy to be in his kingdom. That's not how it works. Right? That's not how any of this works. We fall on our faces and then we don't have anything. God gives us his spirit. He saves us, rescues us, he redeems us, and he's transforming us. And in that transformation, this is what our lives become. So again, I wonder if God's been redefining things for you these last few weeks. COVID or not, this is what God is always doing. 
He's always sort of rattling our cages. He's always leading us into truth. He's always challenging us to be set apart, to live different from the world. I think we need redefinition all the time because we forget. We get lazy. We get complacent. And because we live in a world that runs so contrary to the values that Jesus just said here in Matthew 5. So contrary. I want to talk about some of those here next. So what I want to do is I just want to read through each of those eight blessed are statements and just comment on them quickly. And again, the, the, the idea here is let's draw out how Jesus defines what joy and blessing looks like. Again, one of the ways to translate the word blessed in these verses is happy. So if it helps you to just think about as, as I read them, to hear the word happy as I say blessed or blessed, do that. And again, remember, it's not a list. It's a vision of what your life will look like if Jesus is king. So verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This idea of poor in spirit, it, just, it means that, that we own the fact that we bring nothing to the equation. That outside of God and his provision, his creation, we have nothing. But that runs so contrary to what our world says, right? Our world tells us, boast in what you have. Boast in what you've created. And Jesus says right here by saying, be poor in spirit, is we, we don't do that. We don't boast. We remember our bankruptcy. We are all completely bankrupt outside the kindness and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. We need him for our salvation. We need him for the breath in our lungs right now in this moment. Here's the thing, and I think it's why, it, it, my hunch is why it comes first in Jesus' list, is because you can't fake being poor in spirit, at least not for long. There's something about this, this humility, this sense of like, I'm nothing I'm always dependent on God. It's not about me. It's, it's really hard to fake that. You either have it or you don't, right? You get it from God or not. It's the foundation for all that comes after. And it ends with, for theirs is the kingdom. And you'll see at the end, there's the little bookends where that, that line at the end is going to get repeated again. And we'll talk about that in a second. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Really? I mean, honestly, this is so counterintuitive. Let's do happy. Happy are those who mourn. It doesn't even, like, make sense in our brains. It doesn't compute to us that we could be happy, we could have joy, that we could be blessed in mourning. And yet, that's the promise of Jesus here. Our world tells us, Escape, medicate, stare at a screen for a few more hours. And Jesus says, no, we, we sit in our pain and we find him there. Right? That's, that's why we can be blessed when we mourn. It's not because all the circumstances are just going to go away and God's just going to make it magically disappear, but it's because God is there. Some of my most profound moments, and I can say this of my friends, our most profound moments of, of intimacy with God are in the hardest things. I think about this, this moment a couple of years back. I was actually uh, preaching on a Sunday morning. So I was up and out of the house at like 6 a.m. to kind of do some last-minute prep, and Tiffany was at home with our kids, and a neighbor from our street called her. Uh, the husband called 
and said, can you come over? And it sounded like a pretty serious thing. So she, our kids were all sleeping. I think she left them there, and she went over, and um, the, the wife was in the middle of, of a miscarriage, and it was this frantic, crazy scene, and she lost the baby. And a, about a week later, I remember um, Tiffany walked down to their house, and they were just going to hang out and talk about how she was feeling. And no joke, she was at their house for like three or four hours. And part of me and my sin, I was like getting impatient because I was at home with our kids and they were being awful. Um, sorry, kids, you were. And uh, like, it was just like, come on, what could possibly be happening for four hours? What could you be talking about? And so when she gets back, I'm, you know, I'm trying to like have a good heart about it. And she walks through the door and I'm like, hey, how was that? That took a little while. Um, but, but I could tell right away that she was, had been crying. And, and I'll, I'll never forget the, the words that she used. I don't know if it, it might have been this exactly or it was something really close to this. I remember Tiffany said, God was there. He met with us. And we just cried. We sat and we cried and we cried and he spoke to us and he was present with us. We could feel him healing us, healing her in that process. And that's, that's what's happening. That's what Jesus means when he says, blessed are those who mourn. Because we get Jesus in those moments. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This idea of meekness, it means, again, humility. It means like it's not about me. I'm not trying to get attention. I'm not trying to stand out. I'm just trying to be faithful. Our world tells us be impressive. Be confident. Be impressive. Come on, do something already. And Jesus says, no, we... We forget about ourselves. No, he doesn't say that we hate ourselves. We don't, we don't do that kind of talk, that self-hate talk. He's just saying that our eyes are so focused on him that we don't even think about it. We just fade to the background. We think less of ourselves, less often of ourselves. That's so different from a culture that says, get all the attention you can get. Make something of yourself. But our eyes are on the king. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I wonder if in this season where church has looked different and life has, for a lot of us, gotten harder, I wonder if, if this is something that we can actually say, this has been happening. God has grown my hunger for truth, my hunger for righteousness because I don't have as many people looking over my shoulder, right? I'm, I'm kind of home alone, and this idea of character is how we act when no one's watching us. Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness, or have we settled for something less? Our world tells us, chase after your own desires. Set your own path. Whatever dream you have, go out and, and live that dream. Accomplish that dream. And Jesus says, no, we find life in him, in him alone. The dream, the vision, our greatest desire becomes knowing him and walking with him. Has he been drawing you in to tell you that, to remind you of that, to redefine that this is what life is these past few months? Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Right, this comes from the idea that what we possess, the, the, the forgiveness that we have, the mercy that we've received is not because of our own merit. It was given to us as a gift. 
Nothing we have ever done or will ever do would, could get us there. But God in his kindness came to us and he rescued us. Our world tells us, right, get even. Get even, get revenge, whatever. And, and Jesus says, no, we forgive and we restore people. We extend the mercy that we've received without merit. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Again, I wonder if this is one of the ones that God's been pressing us into since this COVID thing started, the pure in heart. I know that I've sensed just even my own devotional life, there are things that I didn't know were there, things that run contrary to the character of God, the heart of God, that he has exposed in me in this season. He is wanting to do that in your life too, to reveal those things that have crept in. He wants to purify our hearts. We will see God. Our world tells us, right? It doesn't tell us to be pure in heart. The world tells us the exact opposite. Fake your spirituality. Fake anything. You can fake it. And Jesus says, no, we can't because all we will want is him above all else. Again, I think this is one, as I reflect on my own life and hear other people talking, that I think God has really been leading us into. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Think of Matt's sermon from last week about the unity of the church. I think there's this moment right now for the church, the church universal for this church right here, to be the beautiful, radiant, like, just awe-inspiring thing that God created it to be. Right as this world is divided, as people are hating each other, as people are just spewing out all this stuff on social media and all over, we have the opportunity set before us right now is the opportunity to be the church that Jesus prayed for before he went to the cross. Unified, not exactly the same, but unified as one. It doesn't make sense to our world, and that's exactly why it's beautiful, and that's exactly why God uses it to draw people in. Verse 10, and we'll stop here. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Our world tells us that suffering for faith is a waste. What a total waste. If you were to go and do something and step out and be bold, it doesn't have to be like moving across the globe, although I think we should think and pray about if God is leading us to go somewhere else. But even if we're here and we're talking to people in our family, people that we know that, that don't share the beliefs that we have and we experience some pushback and it feels risky, maybe we get made fun of or mocked, the world would say that's such a waste. And Jesus says that we will see it as the highest honor just like the earliest disciples did. What an honor it was for them to be like Jesus in their suffering. So did you notice, again, the bookends? For theirs is the kingdom. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what the character of the people who live as Jesus is king, this is what it looks like. Our definition of life, of abundance, of treasure, of joy, it all gets turned upside down. And Jesus is doing that on purpose because what he has for us is life. So this is it. As we think about our own lives, as we kind of stack up, like this is Jesus' vision and here's my, this is what I imagine a blessed life looks like. I wonder if there's a, a redefinition that needs to happen in your heart. 
know, we know this intellectually. You hear us say it all the time from this stage that God is after all of you. He is after your heart. He's after your complete obedience. Not just about doing certain things or showing up to certain things, right? You hear us say that all the time. We know it. Will we believe it and will we act on it? Okay, here's the thing. I don't want to not say this part, okay? As I wrap up, I don't want to not say this part. Jesus is the Beatitudes. Jesus is the embodiment of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are not just concepts. They're not just these ideas, these philosophical ideas that we have to somehow aspire to. We ha- the Beatitudes are, to put it really plainly, they're a person, Jesus Christ. He was, lived, is the Beatitudes. And so if Jesus is the definition of a blessed life, and God's massive work in your life is to make you more like Jesus, then this is what your life will look like. This is the definition of the kind of character that you will possess. Yes, Jesus lived them perfectly, and we cannot, but yes, we who are being made like him will exhibit this character more and more. And so here's what I want to leave you with. Something that maybe you can go out and take an extended devotional time or a prayer walk or just get some time alone with the Lord and wrestle with this question. I heard a pastor talk about the Beatitudes and pose this question, and it totally wrecked my life in a really good way. And so I'm going to give it to you now. Do you see this vision of blessing, of happiness, of joy as a threat to your joy, or do you see it as the only way to it? When you think about what Jesus has set forth here, do you want that? Is it a threat to your joy? If it is, then I think Jesus is inviting us again to redefine and to ultimately surrender, to put our lives in alignment for what he calls happiness. As we have so much further to journey with Jesus, we have so much more of our king to come alive in us. And the world is desperate for this. You can hear me say that Jesus says this, our world says this, and there can be this temptation to set ourselves up over against the world. But I want to remind you that the reason that we live that way, that we live set apart, is for the sake of the world. And again, there is this moment before us, if we live this way, there are so many people right now who who aren't making sense of what's happening, who are hurting, who are broken. And this, this church, we have the opportunity to be Jesus. So I pray that that's what would happen. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for for Jesus. Just so simply, we thank you for Jesus, for the way that he lived, for his character, for the vision that he set forth here of what it means to walk with you and experience joy and blessing. Lord, we repent of those ways that we have defined it that run contrary, that are just something different. They're weak, they're trite, whatever. Lord, I pray that as you draw us in deeper into intimacy with you, that you would do that work of redefinition, that our lives would look more and more like yours for the sake of this world. We pray in his name. Amen.